Hello and welcome to Nokia's Women in Technology series. I'm Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the show. On this episode of Nokia's Women in Technology series, we are talking to Andrea Austin. She's the VP of Sales for Nokia Software. And we're going to be talking about women in revenue organizations. So a study cited in Forbes indicates that women represent 39% of the workforce in sales positions, but that, that percentage decreases as seniority increases. So by the time you reach the VP level, only 21% of those positions are filled by women. And we're honored and excited to hear from a woman who holds one of those positions today. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Very glad to be here. Excellent, excellent. And guiding our conversation today is the one and only Marianne Strobel. She's the head of North America Customer Marketing and Communications at Nokia. Marianne, it's great to have you on. Uh, I'm gonna turn the floor over to you because you are uh, guiding this thing today. So, uh, so take it away, Marianne. Thanks, Tyler. I really appreciate it. And welcome, Andrea. We, You and I have a, a great relationship and for our listeners here. The two of us, when we get together, it's it's powerhouse, if I should say, you know, with all due respect and with admiration. You get us in a room together and we just light it up, right? <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> anyway, but thanks again. I really appreciate you being here. And I'm, I'm just going to dive right into some of the questions I have. Um, what are some of the myths compared to the realities of women who are in technology sales? You know, I think one of the myths might be that women are adverse, uh, risk adverse to the high stakes job. And I think that, I personally think that's a bit nonsense. Um, it's not a skill set or a trait. Um, I think there are certain attributes when you're in these high stake jobs and um, I think they're somewhat genderless, but I'm, you know, I'm a woman and I've been in this world for the bulk of my career. Anything 20 plus is just 20 plus. I don't add any more years onto it after that. But I think one of the, one of the um, attributes in a high stakes job to be successful is acquiring and cultivating our customers. So really uh, that is genderless. There's no specific gender requirement for that. I think another one is being able to fail and learn. I like to say fail forward. Um, so if you're going to learn something, don't make the same mistake uh, over and over again. And I think keep doing more and being better for each time you're engaging with the customers. And then I think the, the last one is being comfortable in your skin and being able to speak your truth, right? That's, uh, that's, you hear that a lot in, with women in technology or women in business today is speaking our truth. And I think, you know, I don't think any of those traits are uh, gender specific. So I think the, the myth that women are... Uh, don't have the courage or bravery to take on kind of the high stakes job. I think that's, I frankly think it's nonsense. And so I don't think any of the traits that I referenced are gender specific. So um, I think that's that's one of the myths that I like to specifically call out is that I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I like, I, I wouldn't say I'm uh, gung-ho on risk, but I certainly don't shy away from it. You said something that I, I see with women, uh, especially women in technology in, in a sales role is being comfortable in your skin. Mm -hmm. And when you are dealing with a lot of companies in technology and you look around the room, you see a lot more men. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, what advice would you give to somebody, a, a woman that is in a sales role and a technology role representing a company when she walks into the room and she's the only woman in the room? I, What's I your my first one is to have the confidence that you've earned, right? If you're in that room, and I firmly, you know, go back to, you know, uh, Ruth Gator Bins, uh, uh, Ruth 
um, Bader Ginsburg. Um, every, uh, every room that a decision is being made, a woman should be in. I firmly believe that. And so I think if, you've, if you're in that room, take a seat at the table. Don't sit in the back. Have the confidence to speak up. And as I said before, speak that truth, right? You have an opinion. You've earned the right to be in that room. Um, you know, it, it, I think there is sometimes a hesitancy or a pause for women to express their opinion. Don't. You, have the, you should have the confidence and the bravery and the courage to speak up because you do know what you're talking about. You earned the right to be in that room. Take a seat at the table. Well, and that, that brings me, and I love that phrase is, you know, take a seat at the table. What have you seen changes being made to embrace more women having seats at the table? What, what have you seen? You know, I think there's, I think just the awareness, right? The intention of it, um, you know, at Nokia, as an example, um, we, we put in the hiring process, did you interview a woman, right? Did you go out and find the candidates for women? I think companies need to do more of that. Uh, I, it's, I, my biggest challenge in sales roles is I don't have women applying to the jobs. I think the, um, you know, there's, it's, T telecommunications is such a male-dominated world that sometimes women think, I don't, I don't want to work in that industry. Um, and I think that's folly because I frankly think the, the ability for us to bring our ideas to the table, our approaches, is I think something that companies miss. I think there are statistics out there that talk about having a diverse leadership organization, having a diverse team, actually brings the best benefits to the business. And I think if we don't start attracting women to these uh, roles, then I think our companies are gonna actually have the challenges be above and beyond not having a diverse organization. You can't just have one gender over another. It actually needs to be both. So I think, I think the awareness and the intention is really important and it's a great time. I do think we have to be careful to not overcorrect. And as I stated, you need both males and females in the workplace. You can't just have an all woman team and an all man team. I mean, you can, of course, and we do see that. But I think the diversity and the different perspectives and the different experiences actually, I think, lend to the best outcome and the performance of an organization. I think you're right on that. And, you know, especially when you're talking with younger individuals that are getting out of college and they're now taking their first step into the real job post-graduation. And that's where I see a gap um, with women specifically is coming into an organization and applying for a sales role. They'll, they'll go into marketing or they may go into project management. What would you do or what have you done to promote having uh, those that are just graduating from school into exploring the world of being in sales in a technology company? I think having the courage, and I, you know, I, I get a lot of questions about, um, you know, what would you do as a younger self and those types of, of questions. And I think having the courage and bravery to take the job that is really difficult and really challenging and learn from the experience, even if it isn't, isn't a wild success, I think the learning and being willing to, and I, I know it sounds a little trite um, having you know been in business 20 plus years but paying your dues right take the job that's really hard and it's going to be super painful and learn from it and i think as i stated in the first question um, you know the myths i think being willing to fail you know again don't make the same mistakes over and over again but be willing to try and experiment um, I, I have a i have a saying that i think 
you know, uh, these are difficult challenges that we face in, in whether it's, uh, you know, attracting more women, having a more diverse team, landing the next big deal, landing the next big client. But someone is going to figure it out. Why can't it be us? Right? I, I think that that's, that's just, I just firmly believe that it can be figured out. And I don't know why with, if you think about, if you truly have a diverse team that comes from a lot of different angles and experiences, that harnessing that is actually gonna help you solve that gnarly problem. Now, I can't, as a leader, I don't have all the answers, right? It's my job to inspire and cultivate the experience of my collective team to solve those really, really gnarly problems in our business. So you are known as the negotiator. And so you have a stellar reputation of being able to close business. And one of the areas that I see women struggle the most is not only asking for the job, but asking for the salary. What advice would you give to a woman that is, whether they are entering into the workforce or they are moving up within the corporate ladder, how to ask for that salary increase? Yeah, you know, I think it, it's it's interesting because I have had uh, I've had great negotiations with my compensation. I, I I actually don't know where I sit on the scale, but I'm pretty confident I'm up there with most of the men in my, in positions that I'm in. I, I don't particularly care about that because I know what I'm worth and I know when I negotiated that. But I think a lot of it is just the confidence, right? I have the experience. I have done these roles before. The job that I have at Nokia is bigger than any job that I've ever had, but it's no different than any job I've ever had. It's just a larger scale. So there, there, there certainly are those moments when I have the imposter syndrome sitting on my shoulder saying, you can't do this job, it's too big for you. You've never run a billion dollar business. And then I'm like, hold on a minute. Nothing that I do on a day-to-day -day basis is any different than when I was in my startup before I joined Nokia, right? And so it's really just buckling down and flicking that imposter off your shoulder and getting back to the fact that I earned the right to be in this role, I earned the right to negotiate this compensation. And frankly, when I'm, when I'm negotiating uh, with a customer or I'm negotiating my own compensation, it's confidence. I believe in what I'm selling. I firmly believe that what I have to offer and my teams have to offer and my company has to offer and my bigger Nokia has to offer is the best in the business. Is it perfect? No, right? Am I perfect? Absolutely not, but I will work hard and Nokia will work hard to earn the business of our customers and put them first, right? What we do, and I think a, the, one of the keys to selling, whether you're a man or a woman, is putting the customer first, right? It's not about how awesome our product is. It's not about how awesome I am. It's about what I can do for the company. It's what Nokia can do for our customer. So I think that's, is, is I'm very confident in that. And frankly, I can't fake it. So if I don't believe it, then I would never be able to negotiate for the value of what I think our solutions are worth for our customers. I, I think you, you nailed something that is near to my heart as you can't fake it. And no. it's passion that comes through. And with that passion, your confidence will rise from that. And I think that's where a lot of women sometimes will second guess themselves, mm -hmm. you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda. And, you know, that's the that I see with you and some other of the leaders within Nokia that are women leaders is that they do have that confidence in themselves and they have earned a right to sit at the table and they have earned the right to be heard. And, you know, we, we've all experienced some of those bumps and battle scars along the way, but you definitely have to learn from that. So mm -hmm. I, I appreciate everything that you've said. As a woman sales leader, 
Where do you see that there's still some difference between a male sales leader and a female sales leader? What, what is your perspective on that? You know, I think there are stereotypes. I think, you know, one of the stereotypes is a man has laser focus and a woman has the ability to multitask. And I, I so I've learned my way out of that. Now, I can still multitask like nobody's business, but I also can have intense focus. And so I think the, tr the, the traits that are, you know, so you go way back in, you know, before our times and there was the caveman theory, right? The man went out and hunted and the woman was keeping the cave tidy, cleaned the meat, cooked the meat, prepared the house. And, you know, it's all that multitasking. The man was singularly focused on getting the animal, bringing it back to the cave, going back out. And, and I think it, stereotypes, right, are stereotypes. I firmly believe that women or men can learn those well-rounded traits to make themselves really, really good and leverage the skill sets of the other gender. And I think a really well-rounded male sales executive will have the capability to multitask and the ability to be deeply focused. I think a strong female leader will have the capability to tap into that multitasking and still be able to have a singular focus on any given thing at the same time. So I think that those skills are, they're learnable. It's just being aware of what the inclination is. And I think there's also that, you know, a man is very direct, a woman is very empathetic. And so I think there are all kinds of stereotypes. I think a well-rounded executive, male or female, learns to be well-rounded. What was the biggest obstacle you have faced in your career? And how, what did you learn from that obstacle? You know, I think my biggest obstacle was, was getting rid of the imposter syndrome, to be quite frank with you. I think the, the self-doubt that I had when I was younger, I don't have it anymore. I, I definitely back up my uh, passion and emphasis on the job and being best at what I do with the, the I, tr I try to be very humble and I try to be very focused on the others. When you get into a certain level of leadership, it's no longer about you. And I think the, the biggest, I think, uh, self-doubt that I had was, are people gonna follow what I set out to do? Are they gonna listen to me? And I think so much of it is confidence, right? And belief in what you're doing. And that's why it goes back to that, I can't really fake it because if, I, I, I don't have, I don't have a, a strong enough skill to be disingenuous, right? If I'm not genuine in the way that I approach something, then that's my sign that I'm done, right? As a, I, I count myself as a lifetime learner. I love to be learned, I, I, I love to learn, I love to be always learning, I like to be experiencing the next thing. And if I'm not doing that anymore and I'm not getting something in return for all the work that I'm giving and all of the energy that I'm putting out, then it's time for me to go do something new. Well, you also co-authored a book, and the book is entitled Align to Achieve. Tell us a little bit about that book and what, what possessed you to co-author this book. So I, I co-authored it with uh, a, a colleague of mine. She was my chief marketing officer at a company I worked at a couple of companies ago. And she, we, were, we were finding that we were doing all kinds of uh, you know, uh, self-directed marketing data. We were doing surveys and analysis. And we were finding that the, you know, when you're trying to do account-based marketing or you're trying to approach like the acquisition of new customers, you know, the, the, the tension that existed between sales and marketing actually was becoming a barrier. And so in sales, I can, do my, I can do my own prospecting, I can get my own leads, but 
should I be doing that or should I be closing the ones that I have? And in marketing, you can build a bunch of leads and hand them off to sales, but if they don't trust them and run with them, then isn't that wasted effort? So I had worked in organizations where the marketing relationship was tense and there was a lot of, uh, um, you know, the perspective, there could be a perspective. My co-author, Tracy Eiler, actually said she worked for a, an organization that the CEO said, well, there should be healthy tension between sales and marketing. I, uh, she didn't subscribe to that. I certainly don't subscribe to it. And I think if marketing is firing on all cylinders and we've jointly agreed on what the handoff points are, there's always gonna be tension. I mean, that's anytime there's a handoff, there's tension. Who owns it? Why didn't you follow up on it? That was a terrible lead. No, that was a great lead. You didn't follow up on it. And so wh why not work together to define what those handoff points are? And then you get the best outcome in the end. And so that was the nucleus behind writing the book is to align sales and marketing so that we could really tap into what our individual strengths were. And the book was a, was a great success. And uh, it's been, it's been it, and frankly, we wrote it before sales and marketing was a thing. Um, but it, frankly, it has always been a thing. We just happened to tap into it at the right time. I think you know, you can apply it to any organization. Mm -hmm. It is that collaboration and that that trust um, mm -hmm. with one another. And it's about those relationships. And I think this is why you and I jive so well together is that we're not just marketing and sales, right. but we, we still have collaboration. We yeah. respect one another and there's trust there. We understand there. And, what the end goal is, right? We're trying to get to the same end goal. End goal. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that could be applied to any situation, any kind of environment right. you're in. Right. And, you know, I've seen, you know, you work in many, many different types of situations where you are the only lady at the table. But you know what? It it's it's doesn't make a difference what you're bringing to the value and what what value you're bringing and how it's being articulated is you're not seen as the only lady at the table. You're there to solve a problem, and so that that's refreshing to see that. I do see that a lot with you at Nokia today. Um, you were also involved with the, uh, an organization called Women in Revenue. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, right around the same time I started at Nokia, um, I was approached by a, a former head of marketing at my just rec most recent company. And she was actually tapping some of the people that she had worked with and had great relationships with, felt were the thought leaders in the space in the Silicon Valley. And uh, 12 of us were the originating founders. Um, and we created this organization called Women in Revenue. It's women, womeninrevenue.org if you would like to look up, look at the website. Um, and really what it's all about is empowering women in sales and marketing roles to essentially be their best selves and find a way to create a community and a network. And shockingly enough, we have 3,000 members now, right? It wow. is crazy that after two and a half years, we have 3,000 members. And just last month, we started up our first chapter in Austin, Texas. So it's really gratifying. We have mentorship programs. It's, it's a free organization. Um, the 12 of us that were the founders, uh, you know, we, we ask ourselves all the times, like, what, what are we getting out of this? And it's really the opportunity. We're at that point in our career where it's time to give back. And I've been mentoring for years. I love mentoring. It's, it's something that, frankly, it gives me a lot of pleasure. I get, I get more out of it than I, I, I would like to think I give a lot to it. But I get a lot out of it just guiding and seeing someone take a different path and maybe make a different choice. Um, and we do a lot of mentoring in this program. We do events every, every quarter. I think actually we do an event every month. Um, and it's, it's really built around, again, going back to that, that you know, uh, you know, RBG or RGB, uh, you know, every woman is deserved a right in the room to, that's a decisions being made. 
So I think it's really important that that's, that's the foundation for us is to advance the careers of women. And frankly, in California, you know, there have to be women on the board uh, for publicly traded companies. And so that's one of the things is to prepare women for that next step in their career, whether it's the next step in their marketing career or sales career or up to that board level um, kind of as that next step. So that's what the organization that is, is about. And it's, it's really, really an awesome organization. That is awesome. And, you know, I think that's one area of opportunity for women is to, if I can tie back in just revenue, is understanding how to look at revenue, how to be able to read a stock page, how to read an annual report and understand what does that mean. And I see this just even in my own mentoring um, where a lot of women don't understand the financials. Mm -hmm. And that is a stumbling block for them because in order yeah. for it to go up, they, they have to do that. So, well, every, you know, every, I mean, businesses run on revenue, right? So yeah. if you don't really understand yeah. the impact of revenue yeah. on the business, then you're actually just hurting yourself and your own career. Well, and I do know you do share with your teams, know your numbers, mm -hmm. right? Know where the revenue is coming from. So you you definitely stand by, you you walk the talk, which is which is awesome. So, well, Andrea, I thank you very, very much for your time. Um, again, you lead a stellar organization and, you know, in leading Nokia in North America um, in software sales and doing an absolutely fantastic job and blowing out the numbers. Mm -hmm. So again, leading by example, you know, but thank you so much for being here today and being our guest. Very happy to be here. And one, one last thing that I say is that the pressure that we live under is a privilege. And I think we all need to remember that, that when we're feeling that pinch, it's because what we're doing is really important. So I think it's an old tennis saying, but I really do think that pressure is a privilege. Thanks so much, Andrea. Thank you so much, Mary Ann. We will be back soon with more episodes of the Women in Technology series, so stay tuned for that. But until next time, I've been Tyler Kern for Mary Ann Strobel and Andrea Austin. We'll see you again soon.